Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhina istafa. Khususan ala sayyidi rusuli wa khatimi al-anbiya wa ala alihi al-askiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya. Amma ba'd. Imam Abu Hamid al-Ghazali rahimahullahu ta'ala who was a great scholar of his time and specifically dedicated a lot of attention towards the end of his life on spiritual reform in society, in the community, and more specifically, targeted and aimed at students of knowledge and scholars. His idea was that if there could be reform at the scholarly level, then there would be a trickle-down effect and people at large would benefit tremendously. But if there is emptiness at the top, if the institutions and organizations aren't producing individuals who are walking, talking, living role models, people won't live up to any real standard. And society caves and falls inside. In his famous work, the Ihya Ulum al-Din, he addresses these issues of the nafs. He has both chapters back to back. One is the chapter on Kasr al-Shahwatayn, on how to deal with the two passions, something we'll be briefly addressing today. And then right after that, he has a chapter on Afatul lisan back to back. He talks about anger and how that manifests on the tongue and all the harms caused to people by the tongue. But before that, he talks about passion, how people are unfortunately pulled into the trap of shahwa. Now, this word shahwa, it's very broad. It refers to any sort of passion. But here specifically, we are interested in two things. As Ghazali points out when he says, Babu kasir shahwatain, shahwatul batan, and shahwatul farj. We are interested in overeating. People not being able to control their passion towards food and drink. The harms that come from that. What happens to an individual when they become so consumers, where they just constantly buying and buying and buying. And then on top of that, when it comes to this, when this consumerism comes to food and people are just thinking of one meal after the other, they're just focused on food, they're traveling for food, they're drooling over food, waking up and sleeping to the idea of food. What happens to a people? We're not just talking about their productivity in society and their health, which is something that most of us are familiar of in terms of the harms and impact that it has. But there is a spiritual consideration here too. The stomach of the person is connected to the rest of us. The Prophet ﷺ tells us that the worst vessel a person can fill in their body is their stomach. It is sufficient for a person to take a few morsels to keep their spine straight. But if they must, Rasulullah says, then portion yourselves out and do one third for food, one third for drink, and one third for air so you can breathe and function throughout the day. But remember, the Prophet didn't start off by saying one third, one third, one third. 
He started off by saying that there is no vessel that a person can fill that is more dangerous for you than your stomach. That's where he started. And then the second thing he said is, sufficient is for a person to consume a few morsels to keep their spine straight. And then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that if you must, if it's something that you need to do and you know that at this point I need more food, I can't function without this, then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is saying, split it to one third, one third, one third. In our minds when we sit to eat, we keep eating. And for some of us, it's a matter of just not being able to control our passion, right? We just want to try this and try that. And we're wondering if the next bite of the same curry is going to be more tasty. That this bite was tasty. I wonder how it's going to taste. Let's try it again. I wonder how it's going to taste with this part of the bread that looks a little bit more crispier when I mix it with that part of the curry that looks a little bit more, I don't know, oily or has more meat to it or some more spice attached to that part of the plate. So there's that, 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 that sort of that, that desire to search for more taste and more flavor to satisfy the nafs, the lower self of the person. And then there's a second part that people fear that if I don't eat enough, who will feed me? I'll be hungry, I'll starve. What's going to happen to me for the rest of the night if I don't have five extra morsels out of thought as if we're broke, that we don't have access to food otherwise? I once went to a masjid for a fundraiser during Ramadan. This is years ago. I was traveling and I went to the masjid. And the after, at the iftar, the people that were at the front of the line for getting their iftar had piled their plates so high with food that the people at the back of the line actually got no iftar. And then the question came, what do we do now? There are people who are hungry. And I said, guys, obviously the guys who took so much food are not going to finish it. And then I told those people, go eat from their plates. This is pre-COVID in a world where maybe that was somewhat acceptable, right? Because those people left their food there. It was just too much to eat. There was enough, it was, that was enough for a whole table, how much food each person was taking. This is what happens to the human being. It's greed. It overtakes a person. Now, there are many benefits of avoiding this overeating and not eating too much, cutting back. The Quran warns us of this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us permission to eat and drink. But right away, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Eat and drink, but don't be excessive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like those that are excessive because it's common for people to go over the top when they start eating and drinking. They get carried away. One time Umar bin Khattab was informed that Yazid bin Abi Sufyan was having all sorts of foods when he was eating. Like this dish and that dish. So Umar said to one of the servants in the house of Yazid's quarters that when Yazid sits to eat next time, inform me. So they prepared the dinner for him. Yazid was getting ready to eat. The person came and told Umar that you said to inform you when he sits to eat, he's sitting to eat now. Umar showed up. He sat down. First, the tharid was presented. It's an elegant meal the Arabs would eat. It was a mixture of meat and bread, and there was a lot of fat in there, and it was a nice posh meal. Umar joined him and ate with him. After this was done, the person then presented a second tray of food. And this time he describes it as, in the second tray there was what he calls shiwa, like uh, grilled items. There was some grilled meat there. 
So Yazid, uh, he leaned forward to grab some food from that tray. And at that point, Umar radiallahu held his hand. He said, don't do this. This is not how it's done. This is not, a, not the example of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and the Sahaba. They didn't eat multiple things in every meal. Eat, be happy, move on. And he said, if you diverge from their way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will lead you down a different path. You have to stick to their way. In the world that we live in as Muslims, unfortunately, eating is bec has become the center of what we do. It's the center of our day. Many argue that, are you going to take this away from me too? Everything else is haram. The one thing that we Muslims can do is enjoy food. We like doing that. Let us do it. Now, if we're talking about legally speaking, there's no, there's no, there's no conversation here. We aren't discussing the legality. Inshallah, if your food is halal, you can eat. But today we're talking about treading the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in order for that to happen, there is a need for sacrifice. You have to be willing to let go of things. Junaid Baghdadi rahimahullah ta'ala addressing this issue, he said, one of you places between himself and his chest, meaning between himself and his heart, a barrier of food. He placed a barrier of food between himself and his heart. Yet at the same time, after placing this barrier of excessive eating and food, you still desire the sweetness of whispering and calling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That by eating this much, you are hurting yourself. They say that Luqman the wise once said to his son, that, oh my son, do not eat excessively. He said, oh my son, do not eat excessively. Because when a person eats a lot, what happens? Kharasat al-hikmah. Their wisdom goes numb. It, their wisdom doesn't work anymore. Namat al-fikra. Their intelligence goes out. The body becomes heavy and now a person falls behind from worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are many benefits of eating less. But it starts with us understanding that this needs to be done. We are in a society and a community that that's all we think of. Food, 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 more food. We have to change the perspective. When we feel hunger while we're fasting, don't just go jump on your bed and go to sleep. Stay awake for a little bit while you're hungry. Don't distract yourself. Face that hunger. And understand in this moment right now, while I'm feeling hunger, there is spiritual growth happening. This is why the deen told me to fast. Otherwise, are we just madmen that are just staying hungry for no reason? Is this some body detox we're trying to do like, you know, hipsters do? This is not a hipster act. This is a real spiritual transformational moment. And for that to happen, you need to face your hunger. Be okay with it. Understand that when a person eats less, there are benefits that occur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purifies your heart in that moment. Those moments that you're weak while you're fasting, you are actually gaining safa'ul qalb. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is purifying your heart. It's in those moments that your heart is being softened. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you, giving you humbleness because a hungry person isn't an arrogant person. They're humble. That humbleness enters into your life, even if it's for a, a brief few moments. Similarly, when a person is hungry, you think of people that are always hungry. Inshallah. That reflection should come to your mind that here I am, always eating and with a pantry full of food. You know, the Prophet would tell the companions to not store anything for the next day. 
that that should be where you are, that you use what you have and the extra, part, extra food you have, distribute it among people. Obviously, this is in a time where people didn't have much and it was inappropriate for someone to be storing food while other people in the same community are starving and hungry. So Rasulullah is telling everyone, share your food, share your food, don't just store up. And I wonder if there will ever be a day in my life where I will get a chance to do amal on this, inshallah, without faqar or without you know, dependency on anyone. May Allah protect us all and give us uh, ghina and give us wealth to a point that we don't need to ask anyone, right? But will that day ever come in our life that we haven't stored anything for the next day? With pantries and freezers and fridges that we have. I once heard one of my teachers say, he said a statement in Urdu. I'll say it for you and then I'll um, translate it as well. He said, Kam bakhat freezer ka ho, uske aane se ka haq chala gaya. May the wretched freezer be destroyed. By its arrival, the poor lost their share in our food. Because now when people are done eating, instead of distributing it and sharing it, what has happened? Enter eternally into the freezer and you will be seen one day. We will see you one day if that's what's written for us. When a person stays hungry, there are benefits that come with it. And a part of that is that it helps you control your shahwa. And it's at that point that you are able to then take control and subdue that nafsul amara we spoke about yesterday. That nafs that is constantly calling you against Allah. You learn to take control over yourself because your nafs is taking a beating when you aren't feeding it. The Prophet wasallam would eat very little. I can't imagine his spiritual state. The Sahaba ate so little. The Sahaba, they talk about how they wouldn't have complete meals for days on end. How Nabi wasallam's house the stove wouldn't turn on for months. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was on an extreme. And he pushed himself because he wanted extreme results. There is a riwayah in Sharh al-Sunnah that once an angel came to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa and he said, O Messenger of Allah, if you wish, you can be a, a prophet who is a king or a prophet that is a servant. Which one would you like? And to that, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa looked towards Jibreel alayhi salam. Kal mustashir. Like as if Nabi Sallallahu was seeking advice from him that what do you think? Jibreel Alayhi was his murabbi and teacher. So the riwayah says that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Jibreel Alayhi in that moment, he actually made a hand gesture to him. It's as if like, stay humble. He, he, in the riwayah, Kal mustashiri lahu fa'ashara Jibreelu biyadihi an tawada. Jibreel Alayhi Salaam, he made a hand gesture that it's better for you to stay humble. Fakultu. Nabiyan Abdan. So I said to that angel, I prefer to be a prophet that will also be a slave. I don't want to be no king. I want to be a humble servant. I want to be a slave. Fakana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qalat Aisha radiallahu anha who's narrated in the hadith. She says, Fakana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ba'da dhalika la ya'kulu muttaki'an yaqulu akulu kama ya'kulu al-abd wa ajlisu kama yajlisu al-abd. After that day, she says, I never saw Rasulullah reclining while he was eating. From that day onwards, Nabi he sat in a very humble way, sitting forward, leaning. And he would say, I eat like a servant eats, and I sit like a servant sits. So when it comes to eating halal and eating that which is beneficial for us, the first thing, and I think this is the drive home point today, we need to take control over our portions, my friends. 
This needs to happen. We'll talk about fasting through the year another time, inshallah. I think that's a, a far away goal for many of us. But one thing that we can easily, easily all start with, if you want something to do from today, make a commitment that you will never take seconds again. You can do that. Every one of us knows that the first time we fill our plate with food, there is enough food for nourishment, maybe for 24 hours or more. We know that. There are enough calories on that plate. That seconds desire, that I want seconds, is your nafs kicking in. Don't get up. You can do this. When you're taking food, take one, one spoon less. Instead of eating in a massive plate, eat in a smaller plate. If you're going to eat in a big plate, invite multiple people from your family to eat in that same plate. In our world, forks have gone longer, bowls have gone deeper, tall cups have gone taller. Right? Everything's becoming big. There was a time where a bag of chips would fit in your pocket, now they'll barely fit into a kid's book bag. Massive. Three liter bottles of soda. Three liters. Are you feeding the ummah? Three liters. This is the world that we're in. A consumerist society. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to eat halal first and foremost. That our earning is halal as well. Give us the ability to control how much we intake. And as a benefit of, to, of that hunger, may He bless us with spiritual growth as well.